welcome to Slacker Moto Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles and the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Welcome back, Slackers. Brad, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Addison. Uh, I get to see you while we're recording this time. Nobody else will get to see this, probably, but uh, that's pretty awesome, actually. Um, pretty excited. How are you doing? I, I hear you on this. Like, you know, obviously, no one will know if you didn't say anything, but since you did, you know, I, we've got video now, and unfortunately, neither of us are set up for it, so I don't think we're going to show it, because it looks like you've got Kleenex behind you. And I've got some ridiculous flowery box behind me that I'm not proud of. So we're going to leave those be. But for our reactions to each other and ability to chime in and, and have a better cadence, at least a more real cadence, I think this is going to be an awesome uh, advancement in what we've been doing, really, since we thought a one-month delay from COVID was all it was going to be. And here we are a year later. So we're at least moving forward a little. Um, we've talked about other improvements that we're coming towards and, and working towards. But uh, but yeah, I'm good. I, it's been busy. I mean, we're a week late on this. Apologize. Uh, you know, we're we're gonna move our release date, uh, not date, but our release day of the week a little bit. And I realized that uh, now coming out Sunday nights, we could have just done that last week. But why when we could do a total delay of everything and, and throw everyone off? So we'll call that the reason. Okay, it was my fault, but well. Between the two of us, man, work, home, motorcycles, it's been busy. I uh, I guess, yeah, as a, a news update, I know we've talked about the DR, got uh, got some snow time on the DR. That was uh, a fun adventure. Uh, I don't know, fun might be the wrong description, but that was an adventure. Okay, okay, yeah, I, I was surprised, you know, you sent, you were telling me that you wanted to do this, it was on your bucket list, I'm out driving around, I see motorcycles on the roadway, obviously, uh, you know, out there playing, and so I know I sent you a picture of this, and this is when the, the snow was, there was a little bit on the ground, uh, fairly packed, but not too bad, and you decided to go out once there was a lot more snow, so, so no longer can you actually go ride in it, you're going to go try to plow it with your bike. I, I was completely confused by your logic in that, but but I was excited to see that you went out and that you were okay after your uh, slip and slide. Yeah, we got, we got, I mean, more snow than expected, being northwest, I guess, but I know there's a lot of people get a lot more snow than we did. But yeah, we're, uh, you know, it was up past the the front, you know, axle on a 21-inch tire. So, you know, there was a, a good amount of snow that I was plowing through, to your point. Um, but yeah, ripped up and down the road a little, uh, up and down the wrong uh, terminology. Ripped down the road a little ways and then uh, had a good slip and slide spill and decided that there was just a lot more of that ahead of me if I kept going. So, ripped it back around and shot you know rooster rooster tailed snow all the way home and pissed off my entire neighborhood at uh at roughly three-quarter throttle the entire way and it, i mean it was like muddy sand i did yeah. it done it life is good well you know you can't they can't complain too much they parked all of their cars halfway out their driveway so there was no road so i mean what do they expect you got to take the motorcycle if you're going to go somewhere and it didn't work yep. out Yep, that was the uh, the deceptive amount of snow that we got. It didn't look too bad, but 
a lot of people were high centered in there. Even their, you know, SUVs and whatnot. The cars that weren't necessarily small, they were high centering and getting stuck all over our neighborhood. But oh well, that was fun. Good experience. Good chance to uh, to try something new and and get a little off road chops with the DR. Um, that being said, also learned a lot about throttle. Uh, I guess it's not throttle sticking, but how much it wanted to rev out uh, and not calm down. The idles wanted to stick pretty hard, uh, but obviously the throttle was releasing and, and coming back, so it wasn't a throttle stick issue. It was more of a air-fuel ratio issue. Um, Interesting. Got a chance to kind of really learn a little bit more of that after having repaired and, and done the clutch and all the things that needed to be done. Finally kick it over and, and see what's going on with that. So um, that was good, but yeah, I spent last week really dialing it in. Took uh, Took the carb off completely. 100% cleaned everything, replaced all the O-rings with Viton, uh, got it all cleaned up and buttoned up, and uh, fired it up really yesterday, and okay. it runs great. Returns returns back to idle like it should. I've got compression braking again. Uh, idles, I mean, it sat out front and idled while I tweaked the air, uh, the idle air screw. When it yeah. sat there. Granted, it died a few times when I got, you know, too, when I choked it out too much and or allowed too much air in. But, um, you know, that's part of the tweaking when you find your range and then you got to find the sweet spot in the middle where you get the most control on the idle blip or the throttle blip. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's pretty dialed in, took it for a run afterwards and it felt like a motorcycle again, not like an automatic vehicle that'll let me coast at full speed down a hill. So that was nice to release the throttle and feel the bike slow down instead of relying on brakes that are, you know, ancient. No, no, that's good. I'm glad that you had spent some more time. I know that was one of the things I was questioning, uh, you working on the carburetor if it didn't need it. But once you, uh, I mean, based on what you've described on your more recent rides, it was definitely pointing to something going on with the carburetor as opposed to all the other things that you were um, tracking down. So uh, good to hear that you went through good logic and uh, sequence of events for um, diagnosing and solving some of the issues that. Uh, you had noticed so that's a uh, that's good to hear that that bike is uh closer if not is it ready to start hitting a trail is that what you're saying so i'm i'm pretty confident at this point uh, at least for local rides where it wouldn't be a nuisance or a difficult experience to have somebody uh come come grab me if there is more problems but i'm confident to go out and test it now uh beyond just local local streets where i could easily get it home uh on my own power uh, or walk home and get the truck kind of a thing. I'm willing to go a bit further now. Uh, so that's the next step. Next uh, next clear day. I shouldn't even say clear because I'm not that concerned with this bike. It's not pristine. Um, next day that is that I have free time. Happy to uh, jump out and, uh, and give it a shot. Yeah, hit some of the local trails. Get a few miles further out and, and start trusting it. I mean, even after... Went for a quick ride with, uh, with the chicken hawk on the chicken wing. And we ended up going probably about... 20, 25 miles round trip uh, on the bike. Now, at idle, that's kind of why I decided to go completely into the carburetor. Because at idle, at a stoplight, it wanted to die on me. Um, it wanted to, yeah, wanted to stall out. It was stumbling a little bit. Things just weren't right, clearly. So, needed a little bit more work. And that was uh, the incentive to pull the carburetor out completely and, and do a full cleanup O-ring replacement. I mean, it, it a lot of the O-rings I replaced looked okay, but I've got Viton O-rings, so let's put the good ones in that are a little more ethanol-friendly, knowing that uh, I won't always be somewhere where I can get ethanol-free fuel. Sure. So, all in all, 
I'm happy with it. I think we're, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to more adventure rides and get it out. I know there's a, a group of uh, of our friends going out this weekend. I've, uh, I shouldn't say obviously, but unfortunately, uh, not going to work for me with everything going on at home. But uh, I may get a chance, nonetheless, this weekend to take it out and go for a ride uh, in our in my local dirt roads and, and fire trails. No, that'd be awesome. I know I, I'd heard about the one that's coming up uh, April time frame, but I wasn't aware of this weekend. But uh, that would be that'd be good. Glad to hear that you've got a new bike. I mean, what do you think about the uh, center of gravity and its height on that new bike? I mean, it's probably significantly different than most of your other bikes that you've ridden. Have you had any uh, hesitations with it or what do, what do you think about it so far? I mean, it, it doesn't feel too different than the dirt bike uh, with regards to the CG. It's definitely a little heavier uh, than my 360, but it's not um, it's not worlds different by any means. Obviously, it is worlds different from the street triple, uh, and sure. road confidence is, I mean, cornering on it just doesn't feel right compared to the triple that, that's made to, to basically be a, a track-ready street bike. Um, you know, this thing feels like it's going to wash out that and I don't trust the tires. You know they're they're nine years old, um, fairly fresh amount of rubber on them. They didn't have a lot of use prior to, uh, to prior to me buying it, but just nine year old tires or something. I'm not necessarily confident pushing hard anyway. Um, you know, being tube type, I'll make sure we've got enough air in them and and still go out and and use them. But uh, I probably wouldn't, or I definitely wouldn't do a trip on them or anything that really required a more stable amount of reliability. So, you know, I, there's things that need to be tweaked and, and resolved. I think I could do a, a brake flush and it wouldn't hurt. Um, little things like that that aren't terrible, that are plenty good for, for testing and running and local around town stuff. But uh, I'll definitely want to do before, you know, going on a multi-day adventure out to Central Oregon or something to that effect. Sure, sure. No, that's awesome. Good to hear that you made some good uh, headwind on that. Um, probably means that you didn't make much uh, for progress on some of your other projects. Uh, any, any news on those? Uh, so the JT1 got the front end basically all done, painted, ready to go. The frames painted, ready to go. Uh, yeah, the JT1 had a bit of progress with regards to part prep, cleanup, and, and things like that after having already done the suspension. Um, so that's ready to go on to the next step. we got to get a few parts. Uh, so there's a an order for uh, new old stock from Partzilla sitting in the basket waiting to uh, to pull the trigger on the last few items just to clean it up right. But, oh, let me know when you get ready to order. I need a couple things. So Yeah, I know you're always looking for support in the free shipping. So we'll, we'll go that route. And then... Um, yeah, I didn't get a lot done on the on the GL. There's things that uh, that I've done for aesthetics and and whatnot, just in when I'm painting and working on things for the JT1, but nothing that uh, yeah, no no significant progress. I've been working on this bike too much. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. So, out of curiosity, I know that uh, you took the opportunity to watch the Harley Davidson uh, Pan America reveal. Uh, what did you think? I, I didn't get a chance to, to log in, but it sounds like you were kind of excited the, the first time you started talking about it. So, it was different. The whole experience was, I mean, the first 
portion of it was a very highly produced commercial. Okay. Uh, I believe that Jason Momoa, we talked about him a couple weeks back, just being kind of the spokesman or the the uh, poster child for this Pan America from a, a celebrity standpoint. But, you know, he I think he had something to do with, with directing and, and helping with his video, obviously besides being in it. Um, and that yeah, was, but, I mean, was cool that video. had already been released at one point. Like, they'd already shown clips of it. So was it a lo- longer version, or did they just go, hey, look, this is new. I mean, how did they present it? Uh, so it started with that video, and it was basically like a, I don't know the total time elapse of it, but, you know, a short film. It, it went for a lot longer than a commercial or anything you'd see, a, you know, pop onto TV. It was, you know, a few minutes where it continued okay. to, to show different clips of, of the bike, you know, and with a monologue from Jason Momoa, you know, the, the whole thing. It was basically a short film, but in an advertising film way, not like a documentary or, you know, didn't get a lot of information. It was just like, look how cool this bike is. Let's <laughs> say really cool words with my deep voice and let's show it off. Right. Which is cool. I mean, they can definitely, the bike is capable of doing pretty amazing things. Arguably, most bikes are if you're willing to do that. I've seen people do crazy stuff with, you know, full baggers. I mean, the bagger race is a great example, right? You can do whatever you want on any bike if you're good enough to ride them that way. So that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the most capable of bikes. But it was cool video, um, cool things. And then they really kind of went into just a, a walkthrough of, of the history of Harley and why the Pan America isn't such a deviation. Uh, it, it felt very much like, guys, we're doing something different, and we want people that want something different to be excited with the movie, and then so that our core audience doesn't get upset by this, let's explain why this is still our core audience, <laughs> right? Why this is still our core competency. And it was good. I mean, it it did make me think. And so with regards to an advertising video, I thought it was really good. Um, you know, it, it talks about Harley, right, originally being... The horse replacement. So it was dirt roads and, and Pan American travel on rough roads and gravel and, and all of this. And that was what the Harley was born as, right? I mean, the reason that Harley has a good flat track racing heritage is because they're fine on groomed dirt. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, they're very good. I've seen a lot of people on full, you know, fat bobs and, and sportsters and, and guys on that are basically bone stock doing very well on dirt roads and and gravel roads and things like that. So it's not like the bike can't do it anyway. Um, But this was, it was interesting and and really didn't have a ton of of big information though. It was only a half hour of the hour allotted and it was kind of just, you know, a lot of hype and a little design reasoning why, you know, why it looks the way it does, why it's not such a deviation from, Harley's core competency and uh, and a couple of little, you know, I shouldn't say gimmicky items because I think they'll be used more. Uh, they're doing adapt, not adaptive suspension because we already have that. They are using that, but they're actually doing a, um, a variable suspension where when you set your ride mode, it'll actually adjust suspension height accordingly, uh, okay. which is kind of cool. So you can come to a, or based on speed, it'll adjust. If you come to a stop, the bike will actually lower if you come, you know, put it in neutral at a stop, or I don't know what the, they didn't really go over the specifics of the mechanism, so now I'm just making stuff up. Mm. But when you come to a stop, they showed that, right? If you're, it's a taller bike than Harley usually is. So when you come to a stop, it actually lowers, so you can put your feet on the ground and feel more stable. 
when holding it up. And I don't think, uh, at least according to Harley, nobody's done that before on a bike factory. And I think that's a cool technology that I imagine we'll see more of. Uh, I think that yeah, makes maybe I guess it depends on how it acts. Wait, I'm trying, so I'm still stuck on that because if you're changing your suspension while riding, I mean, one of the things that most people appreciate is that it you, you understand and you uh, you have a feeling for how the bike is going to behave when you've got the suspension changing as you ride. I mean, that has to be very finely tuned so it's not perceptible. And you're not making um, decisions and uh, motions that could actually put yourself in in harm's way. Like, so if you decide you're at a stop and it lowers, and then you gun it, and then all of a sudden it's trying to pick up at the same time as you're going. Like, how does that feel? How does that change your riding behavior? And are there any concerns with that? I, I'm just I'm I'm not saying that it's not a cool. Um, uh, feature, but just how how does that affect your riding experience and comfort with the bike? Anyway, I know that we don't have any, I, we're not on the bike, we can't tell, but I'm interested to see how that plays out. Sorry. No, you're good. I, and, and I agree. I think that that was kind of when I started trying to explain what my brain thinks it does may not be reality. So that, that's where we got to get on it. You have to understand that a little bit better. Um, there's a handful of things that, uh, you know, that it does, the bike does, that they really help, uh, you know, make it a more accessible, a more Harley Davidson bike. Um, it didn't seem super loud. You know, it's it, it does have that going for it for the, the market. But I think more than this video, it was kind of their, you know, release time. You know, as of the release of this video, suddenly our website will now have all the information you need, which is cool. That, that part of it, I think, is cool because, you know, you're talking, you know, 500 and change pounds wet. You're talking 150 horsepower, 100 foot-pounds of torque. Now, I'm you know plus or minus one or two on all of these. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm spitballing here without the, the data sheet in front of me. But it's right at 150 and right around, I think it's 98 foot-pounds of torque. Um, you know, and, and so it's a, a competent bike in the market. And it's the problem is, and I don't know if it's a problem, because if you're competing with Harley, or sorry, if you're competing with BMW and KTM and, and these guys, you know, a 17 thousand dollar price tag 17 plus really is is kind of what the market goes for on the higher end adventure bikes so right but it's still from what i understand on the low end of what a bmw would cost you so they're priced at the same point as most ktms and their direct competitors and then bmw is actually more expensive so i think that was a smart move on Harley's point to put themselves with the pack and not try to go for the premium. So that way you can get the volume. You can get in on all of those uh, sales. And if it turns out to be something phenomenal that just takes the market by storm, that price can go up to reduce the demand, right? You play the supply and demand and uh, they'll do well with it. But starting off at a good price point, uh, I think is, was a, a very smart decision on their part. I agree. And I feel that uh, because of that price point, they, you know, at least with pre-sales, I don't see it lasting long. I think for the annual production uh, for year one, you're not going to see any available just sitting on a showroom. I think they're all going to go and be sold before they show up Um, because there is some hype around it. And and there's excitement because it is, you know, Adventure Market's been the big market for years. And this is a newcomer, kind of, and just a different 
deviation from what we're used to seeing. However, you know, twins are normal in there. A lot of it really, just because of the name Harley, is it different, right? That's kind of the, the hard part for me to wrap my head around is it's a Harley Davidson adventure bike. Yeah, okay, that's different. Twins, you know, a twin power plant, that's pretty common in the adventure world. Singles are common, triples, four cylinder, right? These are all somewhat common. Whatever you want, you can get. Uh, you know, a lot of the other stuff that it's doing and that it has really isn't that, you know, it's all par for the adventure bike course. And I was surprised to see that the weight was manageable. Uh, you know, under 600 pounds is not a bad number. It's not, you know, an exceptional KTM super high performance Baja number, but it's not a bad number. It's not something anybody's going to laugh at. You know, it's not a 700 pound Harley trying to be off road. It's also, yeah. you know, it's got everything it needs to to check the boxes. 150 horses is good. That that's right there where it should be for about that price point, that style of bike, that size of bike. Uh, you know, 100 foot pounds of torque. That's not anything to laugh at. Some do better, some do worse. That's right there, and you know, it's all kind of in the range of what it should be. I think right. that's they what even was, uh, put in the chain drive, so they they limited their losses as well as giving it the off road cadence as opposed to most Harleys that are belt driven, right? So so I mean they yep. paid attention and and did it uh, per what the customer and the audience is actually looking for in that aspect. I thought that was pretty good. I think it's a you know I think it's a competent inclusion to the market. I think it'll show up, and I think it at the very least, based on paper, will be fine and yet to be seen whether it's going to be exceptional or whether it's just going to float in that meh market, right? And part of the market. I, I don't know. Uh, the price point tells me, you know, if I'm paying seventeen five for a bike, I, I expect it to be in the good side of the, the range. You know, I, I think it needs to be not just cool, different, and unique for the adventure market, but something that can compete and be something you know you'd want to ride every day, not just having your garage to show off. Um, so you know that's the one caveat I see. But you know there was a lot of jokes about you know the, the thirty thousand dollar Harley Adventure bike, and it's not that either. It's not the you know premium price tag we're used to seeing on you know on a live wire or on yeah, any other new Harley thing. they come out that seems to be you know let's take what everybody else is charging and throw five grand on top because it's a Harley. And they didn't do that. So I think it's going to do fairly well. Yeah. Like I said, it, things can come at a premium once you've um, gotten your feet wet and people can see what it what it does. If it takes the market by storm and uh, it becomes the go-to and your demand is high, then you can, you can bump up the prices. But until then, I think it's good that they're, uh, you know, they need to get it out there. They need to have people start seeing it on the road, seeing it off-road, right? before they're going to have people going, man, that, that Harley actually did pretty good. I'll, I'll at least go, you know, ride one, check it out. And then you end up in a dealership and at least some of the ones that we have around here, I mean, actually have a really good environment. So they might do decent. Just depends how it goes. Yeah. That's, that's my big uh, push now with this is I, I think we need to put some, uh, some seat time down and see what it feels like. Even if it's just around town, I, I got no, you know, I'd love to see it off road. I know, you know, certain manufacturers are really good about demoing and, and having moments and places to go off-road. That might be quite the deviation for a Harley dealer is to let someone go tear down a dirt road on their brand new bike. So, uh, you know, I don't know about that, but we'll we'll definitely talk to our local guys, see what we can do to, to get some seat time and have a better understanding of, 
you know, of what it actually feels like to ride. That's always been my thing with bikes is, you know, you can look at what it's got on paper and it gives you a good baseline, good foundation to take when you go feel how the bike really feels seat of the pants. Because sometimes it doesn't matter. I've seen a lot of quote unquote underpowered bikes that when you ride feel just as fun as, as some of the fast guys. So, you know, it, it's all dependent on what it feels like when you get on the bike and, and twist that throttle. Yeah, no, that's uh yeah, I'd like to get out there. We'll just have to get that uh, get that going. We've got some things in the works, and uh, that'll be coming up as things start opening up, start getting a little bit warmer, drier weather. Uh, definitely, definitely. Now, speaking of Harley, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Eagle Rider is no longer the Harley-specific rental. Not that they ever were. You could get BMWs and other, other premium bike per- rentals from Eagle Rider. But uh, they've now picked up a partnership directly with Zero, so you can test ride your electric motorcycle before you buy it for a long, extended period of time. Yeah, now I did see, I did see that we chatted. You know, I, I know we sent this article back and forth a little bit. I, I know that they're now, a, you know, Eagle Rider is now global with a dozen um, distribution <laughs> locations. Uh, I'm <laughs> trying to process how that means global, but anyway. Uh, so, you know, Eagle Rider, I think, is, um, you know, we've talked to a couple of them um, at the One Moto Show and others seem like a, a, a great company that's providing um, at least some avenue for people to rent out their own bikes as well as um, other manufacturers being able to get involved with that as well. Um, I... You know, it does come as a premium, but there there was some benefit. I know that my dad was looking at him for a while, potentially to be able to do that, try out uh, some bikes before he made a purchase. Um, but uh, yeah, I think they give you a couple couple days of rides for free. Uh, I think your birthday, you get a day. I mean, I'm sure that there's more cost associated to it than that, but. Uh, Seems to be a model that uh, people are interested in. I mean, what's the other one that uh, is common? You got Eagle Rider, and then do you remember what the other one is? I mean, there's a hand. So Eagle Riders, you know, the it's a rental company, right? It's your Hertz or or National. That's right. Um, but you've also got a handful of of ride share type motorcycle rentals. Uh, I know we spoke with them as well at the one show, um, but there's a couple out there. And, you know, you can basically go and look and, and put your own bike available for rental at whatever fee you want. And they'll basically skim, you know, whatever, 20% or whatever it is off the top um, as kind of your advertising site or your central hub to be able to do that and make a little cash with your bike. Um, so that's, but the one thing I really found interesting with the the Zero partnership is that it's already baked into the deal that up to a certain number of days or certain price point you will actually get that off of your purchase price if you buy uh, the same model that you rented. So if you decide you want to try the top of the line zero and you rent it for three days, you actually can bring that receipt showing you just rented it to your zero dealer and they'll take that price tag off whatever you negotiate, uh, which I think is a, a very interesting model. So now, you know, not only are you testing the bike, but if you're really serious about testing it to buy it, there's no risk. No, that is uh, that is interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm. I don't want to get too much into the the electric bike discussion, but uh, curious to see how that plays out. That you know, as far as continuing to provide something that is a value and that people um, 
want to ride. I mean, if I'm traveling around the country, it is my bike that I'm going to grab if I'm wanting to go and do some touring in another part of the uh, of the U.S. Let's say, is that is zero going to provide the best means of transportation? I now have to worry about charging stations and everything else, so that, as opposed to gas. I mean, I, 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 I only see the benefit in. I'm going to rent a bike to see if I like it around in my area. And to that point, I can go to a zero dealership and I can just test ride it. and It doesn't cost me anything. So, so I, I'm trying to see how that works out for me. So I've had some conversations. Our local zero manufacturer, not manufacturer, our local zero dealer is, is associated with Motocorsa down Portland. And I've had some conversations with, uh, with guys there and, I think that's the gap right now with people that love the bike. Because it basically, I mean, granted, any salesman is going to say that's about most any bike. But anybody that sits on it and rides it loves it. But a lot of those people aren't taking one home. And I think that's the big gap is you can go rent a zero or not rent. Sorry, you can go test ride a zero for an hour uh, or whatever, right? Locally through Portland, you can run it around town and feel how cool it is. And that instant torque and all the all those benefits of the electric bike. And then, you know, drop it off and they'll charge it up. And, and you got your test ride and you saw, hey, around town, this is excellent. But, you know, I don't live in town. And so for me, I would have that. This that's I think I would feel just like this uh, salesman was, was explaining. That, you know, I, I would ride it around town and think it's awesome. But does that mean it's going to work for me when i am got a 30-mile commute basically anywhere outside of my local community? Um you know, and, and that's what you don't know when you just test ride it for an hour around the dealership downtown Portland. If you rent it for a couple of days, you can get that feel of, you know, hey, is this going to work for my day to day? Is this actually going to have enough charge for me to go do my commute to stop at store X, Y, or Z on the way home and still get home? Is this going to, you know, be a problem in the heat of the summer when not just when it just came out of an AC room and it's coming back in an hour, but if I'm writing for a full day or whatever I want to do, uh, you know, for that rental experience. So I think that's really the gap that Zero is trying to close is the gap between a short ride is always awesome, but will it work for what I really do? And so I think yeah. it's a really good idea, but I hear what you're saying that I don't know. I would I would be very curious as this moves forward and as it's more common for people to, to have access to Zeros at Eagle Rider uh, to rent whether sales actually increase because I, I agree that a lot of people aren't necessarily renting a bike in their local neighborhood but if you knew you were really seriously looking at one but still had that big question mark why wouldn't you right you can get three free days basically of use of that bike prior to pulling the trigger at the dealership yeah i get it i understand i i just I, time will tell how this actually benefits them i have a feeling that uh it's it's more of just getting their name out and people seeing it, uh, not so much actually being able to rent it out. It's great that I think that, you know, they're able to uh, remove some of that sticker price uh, upon purchase. But yeah, as far as like me traveling to another area of the country and then I'm going to rent a bike, I mean, I'm, uh, the last thing I want to worry about is trying to find all of the, like I said, all of the charging stations that are going to allow me to actually enjoy it for two days if I have it. So. I'm just going to get a regular bike. I can find gas stations anywhere, right? So, um, 
Yeah, uh, let's just, uh, it'd be interesting here in the next uh, six months to have a conversation with uh, those dealerships and see how many people are actually taking advantage of it. Maybe even get on with Eagle Rider and talk to them about it. I think, yeah, I think that's interesting. And I hear what you're saying. I, I That's kind of been, as far as I understood, the core of Eagle Rider was was travel rentals, right? You're, you're somewhere and you don't want a car, you want a bike because that's what you're doing. Um, and, and I agree that the zero doesn't really fit in that core market for Eagle Rider, but I think Eagle Rider may fit in the core next step for zero. So hopefully they both benefit, but I agree. We'll have to, we'll have to touch back on this one later, see what, uh, what effect, especially in our local area, if it made any difference at all, if they're seeing people come in with the receipt from a rental before they're buying their zeros or whether the dealership says, Hey, this really hasn't done anything at all. We're selling just as many and nobody seems to really be using that benefit so um nonetheless at least they made the news so they got a little uh little <laughs> little news out of it publicity um, yeah. the other the other thing i thought was interesting is you brought it up the other day uh is the new um rebel 1100 yeah yeah i actually didn't think it looked too bad i mean for what it was uh you know i think of the rebel and it's definitely the small bike the the beginner's bike you know 250 and such that uh has been around for quite a while. I mean, there's and there's nothing wrong with them for, for people getting on a bike uh, and uh, w- wanting to start learning how to ride. And uh, I know that they have them as well for the, or at least I believe they have them for uh, some of the motorcycle training classes in the Northwest. But um, it looked like it had a good uh, fair amount of technology and it wasn't just a, a, a cheap here, let's go into market with a bigger bike. I mean, they actually put a little bit of time into it, and I didn't think it looked too bad. I mean, it's not a Harley, but at the same time, it's going to cost a lot less, right? Maybe a good alternative. Well, that was kind of the the discussion point on on what you were sharing out earlier in the week that that I thought was really interesting. Is basically that was that was the point of of at least this review was that that eleven hundred is is sports or competition, as it's meant to. Uh, you know, come in and, and take the Harley into, in their opinion, really, that it was going to be the next Sportster. Now, I did a little bit more research on kind of some of the background of this, and you can get a fully option Sportster 1200. No, I shouldn't say fully option because you can get really nice trim packages from Harley that are not necessarily directly available as a package from Honda. But you right. can get a 1200 Sportster for the same price point, same sticker price as the Rebel 1100. So you're not really getting any lower price. But the main point, I think, of the article and, and of what you're saying is that, you know, Honda's got that technology, right? You can get the automatic transmission. Um, I guess shouldn't say necessarily automatic. It's still a, a, a push-button shift. But, um, but you can get all this technology that if you're not necessarily looking for, you know, the classic motorcycle feel, if you're not looking for, you know, what what a typical motorcycle is, but you want a cruiser and you want to ride motorcycles and maybe you're a little weary of, of having to shift and, and you're just learning, but you want a big bike and you don't want to jump into the, you know, 175 scooter market because uh, you don't want to, you know, learn everything without a clutch at that point. You know, you can get into the Rebel and really get into that cruiser market with all of that new technology. And that's what you get, I guess, for that price point is you're not going to get a Sportster with the electronic options there at the same price point. But, you know, you're still, if you want bags or a rear seat or, uh, you know, any of the the things that are pretty common for a bike of that size, it is on top of that fee, even for the Rebel. 
Right. And, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting about it um, that, that may be attributing to it, and, and this and this may no longer be the case, but uh, Harley Davidson doesn't really or hasn't um, generally had a good reputation for reliability. But you think of Honda and they do. Right. So if you're going to put apples to apples, you've got that um, going for you that people think of Honda and they, they uh, might um, associate that with reliability. And then the other thing that comes to mind is um, I've seen some articles that the Sportster might be dying, like that it's going away. Now, I, I can't confirm this, but at the same point, I know that there's a lot of um, patents going out for maybe something new. Maybe it's a new Sportster. But if something uh, drastic comes out, it might actually increase the overall price of that bike. And uh, the Honda would be at a good point um, in comparison to that, if that were true. I, I agree with you on that. I think, uh, I mean, to give Indians some credit, I know that people are, are kind of on both sides of this fight with Indian and Harley. But, um, you know, I think the Scout is pretty... No, or pretty notorious now, pretty unanimously the better of the small entry uh, cruisers. Uh, yeah, I think if you ask around or do a poll with really any group of people with any substance, you're going to find that the, the Scout is the preferred bike. And so, it, you know, it makes sense that Harley would want to <laughs> bring bring the sports for up to this new uh, the new fight, right? Someone new came in and, and is kind of doing really well. I know that if you talk about the bigger bikes, it's very split, if not still more lean towards the Harley side of things. Um, but when you're talking the, the Scout versus the Sportster, I think, you know, obviously there's a, a quite a following on those Scouts, uh, both for ease of ride and, and higher RPMs. And it does just a little bit more that you'd expect from a smaller bike like that than the Sportster. But to that point, the Sportster is a lot less expensive because you have so much legacy in it that, you know, you're you're price per bike your variable costs are so much lower so uh you know they're doing pretty well with that but but i could see that being the case especially now honda's coming in the game and when you look at the price point of a scout versus the the rev 1100 it is pretty i mean i don't know if staggering is the right word but there's a there's a gap you can definitely get the uh the rebel a lot less expensive than a similarly optioned scout right right and i know that we've already moved on from this topic but it reminded me I is and this is just a question for you. Do you consider the new Pan America to be competition with the FTR? And if so, how does it compare? You're shaking your head. I don't believe at no as factory release. It is not. I think it is a different segment. It is a different attempt uh, into the market. You know, the FTR. So Indian came out with the FTR to kind of go at that. Street Fighter, mid mid weight. I mean, mid to large weight tracker. I mean, that's really what it is, right? It's supposed to be there, but definitely uh, towards the adventure side of the market, though, as well. I mean, you can spec it either way, but they have packages for that. Even the most adventure packet or adventure. Let me clarify: adventure touring package is pretty limited on the uh, FTR compared. Harley definitely clearly made you know made it really clear in their video that. This is not a deviation from their touring, right? Harley's always been known as cross-country touring. This is just more of the dirt road side of it. So it is intended to be able to haul, you know, two large... And it comes... There's, you can get Harley factory uh, aluminum side bags. You can get Harley factory soft bags. 
you know, you can get whatever you want already optioned out on that on that Pan America, but um, it's intended to be a distance touring bike that does well off road. It's not necessarily intended to be a flat track bike that does well on road. And I think that's more the FTR plan. Is it? It's a flat tracker that you can show up at a bar or show up at your buddy's house and everybody wants to drool over because it's a cool flat tracker, but on road. Uh, you can spec it out and get it closer to that adventure bike, but I think they're, they'll meet in the middle, I'm sure, if you take everything off of the Pan America and want it just to be a, a rip around town bike. And if you put everything adventure touring you could on the FTR, at least factory wise, you know, they're going to be in a pretty similar segment, but that's not the core market for either of them. However, to more, I guess, go a little further into your question, I do believe that that same power plant frame uh, and probably roughly just that because they'll adjust the suspension and whatnot for it. I think that that same base core bike will become an FTR fighter. I think they're going to do something with it that will make it more of a tracker styling, uh, whether it be just plastic side, you know, side covers uh, and a different suspension setup with, with less aggressive tires. It wouldn't take much. I've seen some, granted it's just Photoshop type type edits and, and designs at this point, but I've seen some that look very uh, tracker-like. So I don't think it'll take much to get there, and I would not be surprised if Harley already had that in their sights. Nor, do I, nor would I be surprised if Indian comes out with something that uh, bumps it up on their side as well. I would be willing to bet Indian will see what happens first. Uh, wait till after the first year excitement goes and see what happens on year two before they do anything. Yeah, I think they'll just sell the capabilities of the bike and that you can set it up for what most people would actually probably be using the bike for, which is just dirt roads. I know that in the video they're showing the Pan America jumping and other things. I don't anticipate most people are going to do that, but they could, I guess. Um, so uh, we'll just have to see. Yeah, I'd anticipate that the the most, you know, all of your your let's call them influencers because I think that's the right term in today's world, right? Your your people that they're gonna that are gonna buy the bike early adopters that are actually going to ride the bikes are going to use them pretty aggressively. I think there's a lot of excitement from you know guys that that ride big scramblers, the scrambler twelve hundred off road hard in a race standpoint that are really looking at the the Harley so that they can get it and see what it can do in real life. So I think we'll see a lot of people beating on the Pan America, but I agree that because just because the loudest voices are the ones riding it hard, I think the vast majority of the, the voices are either not going to ride it or just go around town on it. I agree that I don't think it's going to be its core use if you took every sale, but I do think we'll see a lot of videos of people thrashing them pretty good. Oh, I can only imagine, but just going back to what people uh, think they need versus... oh. Yep. Uh, what they really need, man. That so I had a chance. I guess going back, we've we've jumped back and forth between the the Pan America and and this uh, this Rebel discussion. But yeah, I had a chance to go to our Procal's got a new Rebel Eleven Hundred on their show. Or at least they did last weekend. Um, really? I got a chance to go look at it and uh, sit on it and and get a good look. I I gotta say, as a you know, I don't know, it's not a core motorcyclist or whatever you want to call it. The, the clutchless transmission is not my thing. I have no interest in that. Um, I can see why it would be beneficial for new riders or people that, you know, if that's, if you would rather have the convenience and ease of not having to pull the clutch and shift and you just want to press the button on the handlebar, that's cool. I get it. 
but it's not my thing. I would prefer, uh, you know, a more typical transmission on my bike just because I do like, same with the cars. I like a manual transmission. I completely, I completely agree, but there is a segment for it trying to get yep. people in there that aren't comfortable with that being able to just push a button. Oh, you got to just push a button. Just got to push a button. You can focus on the road. You don't have to worry about your legs. You can be comfortable. You can set up your pegs however you want. Like you can, like I, I can imagine how they'll sell it. But I agree that that would not be the first thing that I would want, right? I, I am uh, crying every night because there are less and less new manufacturer, new cars being manufactured that have manual transmissions, right? Uh, I'm, I, there's going to be a day where I can't even buy one, I imagine. Yeah, I think that's uh, not too far from where we're at. I, I've said it before, and I, I've seen it written by others that, you know, we there there are children born today that will never even know how to drive a car because by the time they turn sixteen, they'll be in an affluent enough household that it already has fully automated vehicles. So there are people born that yeah that'll never even know how to drive if they don't want to, right? And that that's crazy to me. But nonetheless, we don't need to di- dive down that rabbit hole in today's discussion for the sake of time. But I will say that the the new you know the new Rebel wasn't bad. The the fit and finish was pretty good. It definitely wasn't, you know, Harley or Indian standard. Uh, did you, you know, did it's, you swing your leg over it? Oh, we did. Yeah, I, I threw a threw a leg on, sat on it. It's comfortable. Um, but that was kind of where my comment of if you really want anything you're looking for on a bigger, I shouldn't even say bigger, but let's say an entry level cruiser like that, um, you know, you don't get a lot. It's, it's got a single seat, a bare fender. Uh, you know, that that ten thousand dollar price tag is what it is. And if you want to have bags, if you want to go, you know, have a, a, a seat for a passenger, if you want to do anything else uh, with the bike, you're going to have to pay a little extra for that. But it is, uh, you know, it is a Honda. Therefore, they're going to have all those accessories. It's going to be accessible. It's going to be yeah. something you can get for it. No, I can imagine. It'd be interesting. Did it seem like anybody else had been interested? Did you quiz the uh, salesman to see uh, what he I mean, obviously they want to sell the bike, but was did it seem like he even cared about the bike, or was it a highlight for him? I get yeah, they had just gotten it; it was still sitting in the doorway, pretty much. I mean, it was pushed a little bit forward of the doorway. They hadn't even put it with the Hondas yet; it was just sitting kind of where they would have taken delivery on it, um, opened up and, and sat there. And I won't name names for the sake of of you know ruining anybody's career, but there was very little information known about this bike. Um, yeah, it's new. We just got it. it. Was about as much as I could get out of anybody, uh, just by hey, reading. Sometimes I can appreciate that. Just to say, I appreciate that somebody didn't come over there and try to BS you through the whole thing. That they knew everything and that it had a turbo and point to an airplane or something crazy like that, right? So, uh, I mean, I, okay, okay, I can appreciate that. Thank you for being honest. Yeah, but uh, didn't get a ton of information. Didn't seem like something they were pushing. They had a a twenty twenty one Honda Fury in the showroom. Which, uh, quite frankly, I haven't seen a new Fury in a showroom in a long time. Um, you know, we, we've got a good buddy that, that rides a Fury and rides the crap out of a Fury. So I've seen them plenty of times. But uh, yeah, they were much more excited to try to show that off than the, the brand new new technology Rebel 1100. So it wasn't definitely, at least wasn't yet a highlight that anybody's told them to push or they didn't have much information or haven't done the research on yet but they had just gotten it in fairness it's not like you know they'd had it for a week and had any trainings on it or anything like that nor had it didn't look like anybody wrote it didn't look like it had oil and you know it looked like it literally just got dropped off some of the 
the case covers, you know, the little plastic liner to, to protect things, to still on some of it. it. It didn't look like there was much, uh, much done. So nobody's been. So, able to so get did it you? On. Did you while you were there? Because you haven't described why you were even there. Have you fulfilled the prophecy of buying two bikes already within the first two months of this year? No. Procal once a year does a shirt swap, so sure. I pick my oldest, ugliest shirt, swap it for a new one. Uh huh. That's all you were doing. Was Chicken Hawk with you? Yeah. Okay. Now I thought that there was a bike that he was interested in buying, though. Now that's not at this dealership, but there was a lot of drooling over the uh, the Versus One Thousand. Okay. So is he going to be buying the Versus One Thousand? I I don't know. I thought I that he bought the chicken wing, and the chicken hawk was going to be happy. Was going to be content. It was everything he well, needed. No one, I shouldn't say that. There are people better than I that are very content with what they have. But we always want something different, better, newer, right? And there's always something cooler to have. And I shouldn't say want. I mean, maybe I should. Want is the right word. Doesn't necessarily mean we're going to do it or we need it. But we always want something cooler. There's always something cooler out there. So, uh, you know, he's a postal worker. He's going to get a brand new postal van, right? That's a whole new thing. They just uh, signed a contract for some crazy looking um, cars themed uh, postal vans, right? So he'll be getting a new one of those. Won't that appease that newness factor he's looking for? I have no idea what you're talking about at this point. That's uh, that's news to me. I, I have not been as good about keeping up with your uh, your side podcast that is postal workers news r us but hey uh, you know you, you know chicken hawks my number one fan <laughs> no i i think he'll get something different but i don't know right with what's going on and what he uses a bike for you know i think everybody should get what they want if if they can and and it doesn't right have a negative effect on their lives but i don't know that that's the bike necessarily that checks the box. It goes back to your comment, right? And we hear it from Ryan all the time, but you know, what what are you actually gonna do with a bike? Right? Are you gonna are you getting the bike you actually are gonna use? Are you getting the bike that you think you want but will never actually use? And I think that's some of that with this that he he was able to get on one on a demo day. He loves it, uh, and can't seem to shake it from his brain. But I don't know that it's really the bike that's gonna check off everyday box or his annual box of what he's using it for i think right well yeah i loved riding the mt09 around too but that doesn't mean i'm going to go buy one right now right i mean that was it was a riot for the short ride that i got to take on it yep so i you know i think there's some of that you got to understand we've talked about that before understand what uh what you're really looking for in a bike so <laughs> i guess you could just buy uh what are, what's uh what's uh ryan looking for that's on amazon Crazy uh, cheap fourteen hundred dollar bike that's going to be better than a uh, used Versus one thousand. He's looking, yeah, he's looking for that uh, that Chinese adventure bike. I don't even remember the manufacturer at this point, but uh, I I hope he does it, and I hope Ryan's listening. No, no, because I no. want to hear all about it. I want to follow this. I want I. He's going to put. He's going to end up putting seven grand in upgrades on it because it's not going to be what he wants. I'm just saying. That's anybody. He do the same thing with the universes. Yeah. <laughs> He'll and it'll only get up to the the seven thousand dollar quality of features. He's not going to have anything better than what he would have bought just getting what he needed, not what he thought was going to be cheaper. Oh, anyway, Ryan, I love you if you're listening. 
I hope it happens. I'm happy to. Uh, we'll have a regular segment at that point to understand one what 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 have you done to the bike? Because we know that it won't stay stock. And two, right? What what is the experience thus far? Uh, we can have just a quick quick touch point every couple weeks that uh, that go over that because I I think it would be a very entertaining and informational to understand a, a real life experience. That being said, I've got you know we've talked about it before. A couple buddies with the CSC. Uh, a little electric bike. I can't even remember the name of it. A city Slicker or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, one of them has had no problems, loves the bike. The other one had weird charging issues that took, you know, months and months to get resolved just due to the overseas support and parts and, and shipping and all of this. So, And they probably uh, don't know. have any more problems anymore because they haven't ridden them in a year and a half. Well, that's... I think they've ridden more than that, but after the bike, when you buy a bike that cheap, I think that's pretty common that you love it for three to six months and then it just goes in the back of the garage, right? It's similar to, you know, a lot of toys that people like us will buy that it's like, oh yeah, I need this tool for this one thing and then I'll never really need it again, but it's this cool shiny tool I hang up in the corner. I show friends when they come over, look at this cool tool I got. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't really use it, but it's really cool. And I think that's kind of, you know, it, it comes that way when you only pay that much for a bike, but, and you're not a motorcycle person, you just wanted to have one to have that experience. Then it's more of a trophy than it is a, a, a vehicle. But, yeah. you know, I, he wrote it the other day. I will say I, one of my buddies, the one that had charging issues, obviously got it resolved and wrote it the other day. Uh, I ran into him and he, he almost ran out of batteries on the way to work. So I actually had to pull it into the office so he could plug it in. Fortunately, it's, you know, the size of a Grom, so it went through the door and wheeled right behind him, and he was able to charge it, plugging it into the wall. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it still gets used, so good for them. Okay, okay. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, nonetheless, looks like we're coming up on our hour, and there's no reason, I think, if we go any further, we're going to dive down another rabbit hole that takes another hour. So we'll we'll come back uh, on the next one with, uh, with future topics and with our, our next iteration of this discussion. Uh, likely a little bit more Pan America as more news comes out. But nonetheless, appreciate everybody tra- trailing along with us, uh, coming along our, our crazy thought processes, and I appreciate everybody waiting the, the week and a half it took to get this released. We'll start releasing here on Sundays. Uh, and we're talking about more of a seasonal cadence so that uh, you know we can get more of this wrenching and other stuff that we're doing instead of spending so much time producing this. So... Uh, we'll let you know as things progress and as things happen. Keep an eye on Facebook and Instagram. Those are going to be the places you'll see the most news and the most updates on the podcast. Uh, but otherwise, check out slackermoto.com and we'll talk to you next week. Until next time, ride on. Mm-hmm.